Milan. Hello. Hello, my friend. How you been? Buddy, I am just tired most of the time. <laughs> John Lennon lookalike contest? I get that a lot, yeah. So it's, um, it's it's partially the glasses and partially the hair. One one of the two going away, you'll probably get a lot less. But you know what? It's it's still a cool look. Taking <laughs> the turtleneck. Yeah, pre-COVID, whenever I went out, um, everyone thought I looked like Where's Waldo? <laughs> grab me and be like, found you. Nice. <laughs> I have a theme song that I need to play at some point, so we'll just hit it right now. Uh, hello and welcome to episode five of Hello We Don't Talk, Let's Talk, the talk show where I, Christopher Hua, reconnect with old friends. Today's guest is not John Lennon. <laughs> let's it go this. <laughs> it is it is a a fine arts student graduate slash uh, I have no idea what you do with your time um, sleeper at that we'll we'll make yeah, it a full time sleeper uh, Milan Cosamora how are you doing Milan Oh shit I am um, I'm okay I'm better I this is my second day out of quarantine I managed to get COVID. And yeah, you are our first and hopefully only uh, COVID recipient. Um, <laughs> what, was, what was that like? At what point oh. did you realize you had it? How I hear that test is awful. Oh, yeah, where they swab the back of your nose. Yeah, yeah just get right up in there. Yeah, my, um, like my family's a priority for getting tested because mom's a nurse. And that's where we think we all got it from. It's reasonable. Yeah. So when we first tested positive, none of us really had symptoms yet, but it that slowly like creeped up and mm. began to wreck us. It was horrible. Like it is no joke. Like if you're gonna go outside, like wear the mask, wear gloves, wear fucking goggles, like stay the hell away from everybody. Cause it just sucked. It was like three weeks of my life just gone. Because <laughs> I had oh, no, no I was just completely fucked. Like, um, yeah, it's brutal. It's like a flu that lasts longer, and then it has all these other like fun side effects. Like, you can't taste things. That's that was the only fun one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Then you have the exhaustion, the like chronic, like I can't move. Like, I tried to take a shower, almost blacked out. Oh Jesus Christ! Terrible. Yeah, I had a good week. I didn't get out of bed. Like, I just couldn't. Like, I was too tired to do anything. And then there's the pain. Oh, God, that was brutal. And that, like, persisted even after COVID. It still had this, like, horrible muscle pain. It was getting, like, awful migraines. And I thought maybe that was just me. <laughs> I was like, oh, is my body just this shit? And then I looked it up. And, no, it's actually part of the, part of the terrible symptoms. Mm, yeah. that is... I'm worried a bit now that there might be, like, some kind of permanent um, <laughs> Well, ho hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully you're, you're going to get to functioning form soon enough. Yeah, and then public health did a really good job. Like they were constantly checking up on us. Like, do you need body bags yet? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and they called me yesterday. 
just the kind of formula like, hey, you're out of quarantine now, you can leave, but we don't know if you have immunity to the damn thing yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's that exists. So they told me still stay away from people, and I'm like, yeah, that would suck. If, like the first day out, I just got it again or something. Like, yeah, that'd be <laughs> not ideal for sure. Um, I hear, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was hell. It's still. I, I'm very curious about whether or not it's still like up in the air, where they're contracting COVID grants immunity after the fact. Because like the antibodies are there, I don't see why it shouldn't be the case. But who knows? I have no fucking idea. I wish I was a scientist or something that. I could <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... It's okay. They're they're getting to work on it. Oh man, I just wanna just wanna run around outside. Like I gained so much weight. Like literally, just. <laughs> Where are you reading? Oh god, I can't fit into my pants. Were you just eating whatever was at home? Because I imagine you couldn't go really get groceries at all. No, we had to use these apps that will just deliver groceries to us. And they were hilarious because, <laughs> like, we would order shit. <laughs> like, we would order, like, a bananas, for example. And the guy would go to the store, see there was one, and be like, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, I like, fill the order. Banana. Oh, that's <laughs> wild. <laughs> It's just like a green banana. Like, you can't even eat it. Like, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> it was like, Ray, like, this sucks. <laughs> did, you, did you entertain the, um, I guess, the, the takeout life at all? Yeah, yeah. I Weirdly enough, like, I was reading online a lot of this, like, anti-Chinese racism. And every time I'd see it, I would just order Chinese food. I'd be like, I'd just get a craving for noodles. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like those racist shit. I'm like, oh man, like really want some seafood right now. Yeah, I I didn't hear much of that like in these parts because you know our culture is generally nicer to to minorities. But yeah, I like like, on the outset, there's just like all these uh, areas of the United States where it's like, yeah, the Chinese restaurants are really struggling. It's like, oh no, (laughs) oh man. Um, so, so the first segment on this show, I don't know if you've actually listened at all. I oh, don't yeah. blame you if you did. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're, this is more than just a call. This is being recorded and put up to the internet. It doesn't need to be. Frankly, this podcast doesn't need to exist. I, could, I should just no, reach no, out to amazing. people. And call. I want to like, encourage you to keep doing these because it's great to have a podcast. It's just like random people chatting. Like Nobody seems to have a plug. Like, I sure as fuck don't. Like, if anyone is watching this, oh. and they just kind of think, like, oh, Milan's a pretty cool guy. Like, you know, here's my phone number, 226-756-6547. Just text oh, dear. me. Oh, dear. <laughs> That's my plug. Like, add me on Instagram. Let's just chill, you know? Like, you think I'm a cool guy. <laughs> Dude, I love it. Um, so, anyways, the, the first segment is uh, just the last time we met up in person. I can't quite remember when that would have been. I imagine it was some hangout at Paul's. Uh, who the fuck cares, honestly? Like, <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good follow-up, good follow-up. Um, like this, this, I mean, I was really excited for this because this is probably like the most hu- like intimate human conversation I've had all month and will probably be the most intimate conversation I'll have in the next month. Like, <laughs> I'm so lonely, like quarantine sucks. <laughs> Uh, 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 other than other than quarantine uh patient zero john lennon lookalike what do you want people to take away from this other than uh other than the general statement of milan's a cool guy 
Oh man, I am um, a horrible cultural degenerate. So during quarantine, <laughs> the only thing I really had energy to do was just like watch shit. And I chose Disney. I'm like, I'm a grown ass man. Let's watch some fucking Disney movies. I mean, sometimes you, you can't go wrong with the classics. So I, wa- I watched the classics. I watched the remix. And oh my God. I, I even watched Star Wars, which I like failed to recognize as being part of a Disney franchise. <laughs> now. The mouse managed to like absorb that. Dude, that, uh, that mouse has yeah. his goddamn paws and everything. And they made it fucking worse. Like it was horrible. Like, I was watching the new Star Wars. I was like, what is this abomination? <laughs> I saw... I, I saw the first uh, film of the sequels, and then I was just like, "This is fine." Um, I wasn't much of a Star Wars fan before. <laughs> Someone would just invite me, just like, "You want to go see episode seven? Just like, "Oh, sure." Like, I understand Star Wars is just like a cultural monument of the the, the filmscape of nerds like me, similar to me. Um, I was like, "Okay, this is like an okay thing." But it didn't get me jazzed to watch any follow-ups. Never saw Rogue One, Solo, the, or the mainline sequels. Are talking about? Hmm? Is this the new trilogy you went to? Yeah, see? yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, like the first it. episode of the new trilogy. Oh, I see. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, watching those, I was just thinking, like, who is this for? <laughs> like, who is graphic? <laughs> like, I feel like people who are actual fans of Star Wars were kind of just watching it like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> If you look up to Star Wars, like kids and shit, I've never seen it before. I probably didn't see the prequels. Like, I think pre- the prequels came out like around. I think we were like super young. Like that, that must have been like our like middle school days or something like that. Yeah, I think we would have been like middle school, grade six, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So like we grew up on that shit. I'm like, what the fuck are the kids like coming in with? Like thinking when they watch, like, who the hell was the main character? <laughs> trilogy like it wasn't ray like i didn't get the point of her like like like, there was no arc like there was just no character arc for like most of the characters at all (laughs) like it's just that bad but what really killed me and what i really found to be the disney magic especially in the new star wars oh man it was beautiful like have you ever seen any like have you been to disney world Uh, unfortunately i have not i hope to go at some point though Fortunately, I never have either. Like, fuck, fuck that. I was, <laughs> I was curious, so I had to do some, like, proxy Disney World touring while I was dying from COVID. And, uh, yeah, I saw they were doing, like, the Imperial March, um, where they have, like, the First Order troopers and, like, their leaders. They line up and just walk down, um, like, Disney World streets. And it's a spectacle. Like, people stop and watch, and they're, like, amazed by the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then, like, in the shops, they sell, like, you buy, like, Captain Phasma, like, Christmas ornaments, and, like, all this other, like, like, it's Disney. Just Star Wars knickknacks, yeah. Yeah, they they merchandise the hell out of everything. And I I was dying inside watching this, because I I recognized the First Order as something else. It was, like, (laughs) it's cosplay fascism, is what it is. Like, like, unironically enjoying this crap, you know? So I had to do like a, a critical dive. Like I went to read up on the history of like who George Lucas is, like where he got the inspiration for Star Wars. And it just kind of got horrifying. Like as, as I went on, like the original trilogy is great. The prequels are pretty good, but, but, the, but the new trilogy just like it missed so much of even like the basic history of the original. that I, I, I kind of just 
got taken aback a bit. I'm like, oh god, there's like some kind of like corporate monster going on here that really just fucked the whole thing up. And then somehow like repackaged and resold like proxy Nazism to people. He <laughs> bought it. Like it just killed me inside. But when um when George Lucas made Star Wars, like he originally was trying to get the rights to this like really famous boomer show called uh, Flash Gordon. Hell which yeah. Was, like, goofy space western but he couldn't get the rights to it so he said fuck it, i'm gonna make my own but i'm gonna make a spacey uh, goofy space western like feet mystical samurai like he really injected the <laughs> um like orientalism tropes of like mystical swords and stuff so that's kind of where star wars got its start so this was the 70s and when george lucas was looking for a villain who better to pick than history's greatest monster so he he specifically chose that. You can see it in, like, his production notes. Because um, this was early enough, like, in the 70s that, like, unironically venerating Nazis on screen would have just absolutely horrified Oh, people. yeah, for sure. So in his production notes, he's, like, abstract them a bit. So the inspiration was um, the Japanese Empire. So you have, like, the Stormtroopers and Vader were very much inspired on, like, the samurai outfits. I think that's like literally, well, like word for word. I think what his production notes said. So they were able to abstract a bit from just looking like direct Nazis, uh, <laughs> and then specifically the type of Nazis he was referencing was Lenny Riefenstahl's version. So if you're not familiar with her, she was a Nazi propagandist who like marketed and branded herself as a documentary maker. Even though the only documentaries, like as far as I know, that she made were like was Triumph of the Will, which is a really famous Nazi propaganda movie. But it was like extremely influential. Like when it came out, like the ways she pioneered filming techniques, specifically to film Nazi propaganda, like she filmed the marches, which is like the, the same marches that the Empire used in Star Wars was taken directly from her movies. To, to demonstrate, like, oh, this is, like, their power. This is, like, their power comes from, like, hegemony and order mm. and, like, looking homogenous. Like, they all, they all have to look the same for that to work. And um, Lenny was, like, she managed to, like, avoid any kind of punishment. She was like, I was just an artist for hire. Like, I, yeah, I was just making movies. I wasn't killing anybody. Like, what are you going to, what are you going to charge me for? Yeah. So when, when she filmed, like, Hitler, for example... Like for a while, she became the template of creating documentaries and specifically like demonstrating like military power, like demonstrating political power. And then after the war, her work became a de- template of villains in media. So <laughs> frame like any kind of villain uh, after that really became like a, a Lenny Riefenstahl shot. So that and they continued that. Like the prequels, you never saw that because you know who was the bad guy in the prequels? It was like mindless robots it's kind of postmodern i think like and, um but in the in the new the new trilogy they they try to bring that back a little and you can see that like in a lot of shots i was kind of surprised that they kept that part of the history of like proxy nazis like oh great we got a fun little counterfeit hitler like <laughs> and it just didn't it didn't really work honestly it was like, i was watching the new ones i'm like this is there's too much spectacle here like the original star wars still had spectacle but wasn't as like ridiculous as the disney version and they just ultimately felt it just kills me to see people like buying captain phasma christmas ornaments i'm like they're 
is just a level of consumerism there. Like, that's sinister, but that's also, like, the magic of Disney. Like, I had to appreciate what they did a bit. Like, I couldn't get mad at the people buying it. Like, I couldn't name-call them, couldn't call them morons. It's just, like, they're just doing what the human animal does. Like, Disney figured out this pattern of human behavior where they could repackage and resell history's greatest monster back back to them. And they just ate that shit up. Like, they didn't know. Like, they, like they can't, like, think critically enough to really be able to um, take away a step of abstraction and be like, oh, shit, is this bad? Like, should we buy this? Like, no, you shouldn't. But <laughs> I'm also kind of disappointed in Disney that they were able to, like, crack this code of human behavior to sell this kind of crap. And that's what they chose. It's like, you could sell anything. Like, you could trick people into environmentalism. Why fascism? Why? <laughs> Uh, it's better for profits that way. That's all. Sorry, that's all it was. It was just better for profits. Yeah, I guess. I guess you know, it's, people want. They like uniforms. You know, they 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 like that uh, human tribalism of looking alike and all that shit. So, like Star Wars as a franchise has been like merchandised to shit even before the Disney transfer. At what point in your eyes did it like cross over into like okay, this is no longer acceptable? <laughs> oh man that's a really good question i think it, it's hard for me to judge because i remember the prequels and i didn't buy any of that crap like i don't really remember like <laughs> there being at any of my friends houses like like i, have a, I know a, there's a few people in my life i got pals they're fans and i think yeah. at most i've seen on the consumerist front of, like these older millennials that are into star wars is um the guys who play, like, the tabletop games. Sure. Yeah, they're, like, X-Wing, so they buy the X-Wing shit. But beyond that, like, I don't really know anybody who owns that stuff. Like, I think I, think I knew one person, but he's younger. Like, it's a... Uh, uh, he's from, like, the, the Gen Z or whatever. Like, he ironically bought, like, the Christmas ornaments. I'm just like, wait, 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 what? Like, so I don't know if that ever even existed when, like, the prequels were a, were a thing, like, you know, I don't own any any of that shit. Like, even though I consider myself like a Star Wars fan, I was a huge fan of the Old Republic. Like, I mm-hmm. like the books and the games. Like that. That was as far as I ever got. I think any kind of merchandising was I. Like, I owned the Old Republic, like two thousand one video game. Like that was it. Never really went beyond that. So it's really hard for me to like. What point did the merchandising go wrong? I have no idea. But uh, for me, it's more of like an ideological mistake. I'm just, like, <laughs> And I, I saw that in other Disney movies as well. Like they, so Disney did a lot of remakes recently. Yes. Um, some a lot more stealth than others. Like Moana is really interesting. I, I actually really like that movie. And it is like a plot for plot remake of Pocahontas. Like it is Pocahontas. Like they, <laughs> they changed nothing. Like they, I mean, sure, Moana herself, like the, the flaws of Pocahontas was mostly that um, Pocahontas herself were, was like hyper sexualized and then there's like the whole plot of white people bad <laughs> that just like didn't translate very well and they took a very naive approach to it so moana like i think they took all the flaws of pocahontas and just like they try to make it as nuanced as possible and it worked like it worked it's okay like this they still have like um like some plot problems because no real bad guy but overall like it was a great one the other one i really loved was the okay i, I love to hate was the uh <laughs> Uh, Beauty and the Beast remake with Emma Watson. Like, 
there was nothing wrong with the like I rewatched the original Beauty and the Beast. It was a great movie. Like there's there's really like nothing problematic about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some reason the new one is like there's this awful scene in the new one where Emma Watson like fumbles through like she invents a dishwasher or something like a washing machine and this scene just doesn't work and they never like reference her like inventive abilities ever again. It's just this really invents <laughs> a washing machine. And it's so bizarre. I'm like, I, try, I'm, I get it. Like, they're with the with the new movies, with the remakes. They're really trying to repackage feminism, but in Beauty and the Beast, it doesn't work because in the original movie, like Belle is a complete character. Like, she's very independent. Like, at no point does she ever fall um, to any like 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 specific like tropes for women. I think. Um. So it was like very much ahead of its time. Like, the main character in Beauty and the Beast and, and the plot of the original movie is the Beast learning to respect women. Like, that's yeah. ultimately what it is. Like, he starts as, like, a controlling piece of shit that Belle never listens to. Like, she spends the whole movie just doing what she wants, ruining his life, and then the Beast eventually figures out, like, oh, she's a good person. I need to change. <laughs> it's me. I'm the problem. Yeah, and then the main bad guy, which is, like, arguably Gaston, uh, <laughs> he doesn't. Like, he's, the whole movie, he disrespects women, and then yeah. his reward at the end is he dies. Like, he falls off the building to his death. And then in the new movie, they try to, like, make you have pity for Gaston. Like, the reason he's a bad, like, in the original movie, he's a great character. He's just a fucking shitty person. It's fantastic. He's a great <laughs> bad guy, you know? But in the new one, they try to make him, like, he's a veteran. <laughs> like, he has some kind of, like, <laughs> Redeeming <laughs> quality. Yeah, that's why he's a shitty person. It's like, what? Why? <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> uh, the only the, the only one of the remakes I've seen is the Jungle Book, which oh, I yeah. think <laughs> I think stayed pretty true to just like what was already there. Like, yeah, thank yeah, God I, for that. They did try to make like. Um, the tiger, what's his name, Khan or something? Yeah, sure, Jungle, they want they just try to take a more nuanced approach in that one too. Which, you know, I didn't, I didn't really care. I was like, it's, I, I don't know if there was really much to take from the Jungle Book. Like mm-hmm. in, in in the new movie, like I think Khan's nuanced approach to being a bad guy is that humans bad, which is good. Like, sure, why not? Like, <laughs> humans are bad. They yeah, killed nailed the it. Fire. All right. Like, <laughs> Um, is it is this the first time that you have let your opinions loose on any other person, other, like outside of your own mind? Oh God, no! no. <laughs> <laughs> or like, what, like, was your family just like hearing this the entire time while you were in quarantine? <laughs> uh, no, I was just silently suffering. I honestly had so little energy; I couldn't fucking speak when I was in quarantine. Like when I was in the like throes of COVID hell. Like I was on a couple like Zoom calls with friends and stuff and I couldn't verbalize a single opinion. Like I just couldn't. Like I, I just laid there like, oh yeah, that's cool guys. Like it's <laughs> not something like this is like my first week of like holy shit I have energy again. Like I do stuff. <laughs> that's about it. Um have have people been particularly argumentative with you about your stances on on these officers has just been like, yeah, yeah, I see that. And you're probably right. <laughs> That's good. I think I think I'm right. Ultimately, I'm, I'm right about all my all my Disney opinions. Um, Marvel was another one. I couldn't stand. I hated it. It, it deeply offended to watch Marvel. Not not all of it. There, there was a couple of gems 
um, that I was kind of surprised. I was like, man, the writers must have been so bored that they snuck in this subplot. That's really fucking good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, overall, like, I was, like, very critically offended by Marvel, but I, I, I understood it. Like, they needed a spectacle. Mm-hmm. Because who the fuck is going to the theaters? Watching like, Marvel for a, the storyline. Yeah, like, I think to order to draw crowds to theaters, they understood they really had to push this superhero narrative because um, you needed a reason for people to come in. It was like, it was like watching, like, Vlad, like, imagine, like, Gladiator combat or something. Just, like, dumb, buffed-up dudes beating the shit out of each other on screen for no real reason. Like, there's no real, like, ideology in the Marvel movies to, like, yeah. give any kind of, like, reason for their behavior. But, um... Yeah, like, they had to have gimmicks. You needed, like, the 4D bullshit to draw people to the screen because most people are just going to download stuff and, like, be gross at home. Like, why the hell would you go to a, a movie? So I got it. I was like, yeah, you need to make this, like, easy, digestible nonsense. But they did accomplish a bit. Of, like, I was kind of surprised watching <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, surprisingly, has, has like, the best, uh, not plot, like, it was still shit, but they had a decent subplot. Like, they... <laughs> They had these scenes where they did an amazing job of creating relationships between the characters. Like, like not good, but they really describe what it means to have an abusive parent. And I was, like, shocked watching this. And then there's these scenes where the main character, like Chris Pratt's character, um, he grieves for his mom. And it's really fuck she dies, like, way before the movies ever start. So it's like this real slow burn of character development. And I was just kind of shocked to like see that. I'm like, you could take away all the sci-fi nonsense, like all the crappy spectacle plot, and still have this like amazing story of like a group of characters like overcoming like trauma with their parents, like good and bad, like getting over like abuse. I'm just like, holy shit, this is good. How? (laughs) I wonder like, did the writers have to work to to put in that B plot, or were they just like? that depressed making these awful movies and they're just like yes like we need to feel something let's inject this plot <laughs> just to give people something that isn't like pure nonsense but the marvel movies were like i remember reading about a bit about them before i really started to watch them and the criticisms was that they were very like algorithmic like there was this interesting conspiracy theory online where people were like convinced that they built software checked off a bunch of boxes, hit a button, and just printed out a script for them. But as I was watching them, I was like, that is way too advanced of a theory. Like, they're not going <laughs> that far. Because it was fascinating. And I, I don't, I think it's easy to miss if you don't watch these movies back to back. But Black Panther, and one of the Thor movies, I think, I think Thor Ragnarok, had the exact same plot. They had the exact same three-act structure. The characters were the exact same. They just, like, turned up the brightness, you know, and made all the characters <laughs> white. But it was literally, like, it was identical. Like, the villain's motivation, like, everything about it was the same. Like, it's set in, a, in an ethnic state. <laughs> in an ethnic state. It was just ridiculous. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, they really managed to just repackage the exact same movie and sell it back to the audience? Like, is that the magic of Disney? Is that really, like, where they shine? Mm. That was a bit horrifying watching them. Like, the people actually, like, I could, I could get Black Panther being good. But watching uh, Thor Ragnarok and being like, really? Like, you guys just didn't even try here? Mm. Just copy and paste the same damn film. 
and sold it to people. And it gets really good um, watching the later movies because the actors, they're so checked out by the last films that you could have filmed a phone <laughs> and gotten the same experience. Like they could have just CGI'd in the Chris's and recorded a Zoom call of them just reading the script. <laughs> and they would have been like the same experience. Like there's this scene, I think it's in the last movie where the Archer and Black Widow, whatever the fuck his name was. Hawkeye. Yeah. They're, they're like racing to see who can make a self-sacrifice yes. first. And in my head, I was imagining the actors in real life competing to see who the hell could get out of their contract first. <laughs> I think it's what it was. Like, like they must have been so, like, just creatively bankrupt to like go so, years of that shit. That's that. That's the actor's pain that the director uses. Like, just just imagine you you no longer have to do any of these movies. Go. I tried watching a bit of the DC stuff, but it was so bad. I couldn't even, like, really critique it. It just sucks. Like, they just really didn't give a fuck at all. Like, I think, like, Marvel was a bit, you know, they were problematic, but DC didn't even keep in the problematic stuff. They were just like, yeah, Superman saves the day. That's the plot. Fuck it. <laughs> you like it or you don't. There's going to be a really dark palette, and uh, we're going to be real moody. Yeah, like, there's no nuance. There isn't even, like, like a, like fuck, I, I really couldn't even get into those. Like they were that bad. I really didn't bother. <laughs> you just forgot about them. Just get yeah, basically, it's just like completely like yeah, they happened. Um, fuck, that was it. <laughs> but, was there was was there anything was there anything that you watched that you enjoyed? Um, no, outside of some of the things that you've mentioned already. Yeah, um, I rewatched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the extended. Yeah, it was so good. It made me angry. Like, <laughs> it was, oh, remember when movies were good? Yeah, basically. <laughs> but Lord of the Rings, like its success and like just how like shockingly good the original uh, three movies were. Like, I, I had to do like a, some a, a dive on, on what made them so good. But it was interesting. Like when those movies came out, there was no such thing as like like franchise films. Sure, but even a successful fantasy movie like sword and sorcery that didn't exist. Like there was a bit of a fantasy boom in the eighties, but all those movies sucked. And those movies only really like they, they, they were made because of the underground hit that was Dungeons and Dragons. Dragons, Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't have like a a source material that worked. Like, is there a plot to Dungeons and Dragons? No, like, yeah, like, it was just more about the setting versus the story. But Lord of the Rings is genuinely good. Like, uh, Tolkien wrote, like, have you read the books? Uh, not entirely. Yeah, I, I read them when I was very young. And they, they were good, although goofy as fuck. So the thing about the trilogy, like, the movies, they were better than the books. Like, they cut out all the goofy nonsense. <laughs> they just, like, and then the added stuff, they made it even better. Like, in the books, like, Legolas isn't really a character. Like, he's there. He kills shit. Mm-hmm. He's a cool guy. Like, and they clearly struggled to like make him a character in the movies. Like, they were like, okay, cool. He kills stuff in movies. Like, he could surf a shield and fuck the orcs up real good. You know, mm-hmm. so they make him like a, an elf Rambo. But they really, <laughs> like, he has a relationship with Gimli that doesn't really exist in the books. 
like Gimli is racist to him and then it's them developing like into a friendship mm -hmm. and it's great because in the extended version like Legolas is also racist to dwarves yeah so in the movies only the dwarves are racist but if you get the DVD the, the <laughs> racist on DVD. it's a mutual hatred species species hatred yeah yeah if you buy the DVD you get to see the species hatred that's right <laughs> They also do this thing where, like, Aragon in the books is, like, he's this, like, strong, manly dude. Uh, and then in the movie, they actually they give him flaws. Like, he's scared that he's going to end up like his great-great-grandfather. He's going to make the same mistake. So there's all this characterization that's, that's fantastic in the movies that just doesn't exist in the books. Then they cut out all the goofy shit. I would love to see a Lord of the Rings movie. That's just all the stuff they cut out from the, from the, the, the uh, trilogy. The, the, the comedy Lord of the Rings. Yeah, basically, where it's like, like the hobbits get like blasted with this wizard named Tom. This is them getting fucked up in the woods. Where they're like <laughs> with the ants, and the ants are just talking about girl trees. <laughs> and there's a lot of singing that they cut out. Like, you just don't. I'm happy to cut all that shit because Tom Bombadil is a fucking terrible character. Like, don't. don't should not be in any kind of medium. Like, he was a shit character in the books. So, so they did a really good job of cutting the nonsense out. But they did keep some of the, like, uh, interest, like, the, the controversial and critical elements. So it was pretty obvious reading the books that Tolkien was in a real, like, Hail Britannia kind of mood. You know, the, the whites are right. <laughs> White is right. It was, a, it was a real theme of Tolkien. So he codes all the bad guys as Asian and Middle Eastern. And <laughs> in the movies, Peter Jackson made an active decision he kept that like when when they show the human guys fighting for the bad guy they're they're all coded as like not just asian but like extremely like primitive asian and it's easy to be critical of that but but i think it's important that jackson kept that in because you don't want that kind of erasure like tolkien fought like he was a soldier so he had that kind of like jingoist chauvinistic like he was a nationalist mm -hmm. So it's important to keep that kind of stuff in. Like you have to like, that's just what the author was like. So I find that to be like a, a critical element that was important to leave in. Yeah, it's bad. And like, sure, in an international release, it must have been pretty jarring to be in an Asian country being like, why are we the bad guys? <laughs> what the hell? They, they were in New Zealand. It was fine. Yeah, yeah, they're in New Zealand. Yes, that, that kind of critical. Yeah, it was important to get that in. I, I did. I did see like this, uh, like controversial, but um, and that that is a flaw that <laughs> a Disney did not decide to keep. Like, there was a lot of racism in early Disney movies. I think Eric the shit out of all that in the remix. I thought that was bad. I was like, Walt Walt's probably turning in his grave somewhere. Yeah, yeah, like there, <laughs> um, like Walt himself was really careful about his public image. Like the dude was a like he smoked. He drank, um, but in his public image, he made sure that nobody ever saw him smoking because he really like wanted that family-friendly branding. Yeah, um, but he was like famously anti-Semitic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's uh, in the Dumbo movie, which is only good because Danny DeVito plays the, <laughs> the <circus laughs> in the remake. Like the original Dumbo was really racist, like. They weren't even subtle about it, but um, <laughs> yeah, there's these uh, crow characters. What's, what's an animal with a big nose? 
yeah, yeah but, but there's these uh, uh, crows in the original that are just like very blatant characters. This is pretty bad. But in the new movie, they completely cut the characters. And there's this kind of significant scene where like Dumbo learns to fly in the original. And he's given a like a, a crow feather. Like the crows are his friends. And it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, the original movie is interesting because like Dumbo, like yeah, he like makes friends and like learns to like be happy and fly to his home to his mom. And then in the remake, they cut the crows out and they even make the feather white. So that's what kind of like <laughs> double take. Like Dumbo gets a feather and it's a white dove's feather. I'm like, what? What? Wait, that's is, is this coding for for white savior code? Probably. I don't get it. Like, they just, like, completely cut... I felt like they should have kept them. Like, there's, there should have been a way to, like... Like, why kill that part of history? It's just, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably voicing some extremely controversial... <laughs> it's opinions. okay. You gave out your phone number. You're, you're sure to get some either angry phone calls yeah, or... Yeah, you know what? Tell us, you don't like messaging what afterward. Give me a call. I'd love to chat. <laughs> um, do, do you tend to take this sort of... Uh, this critical deep dive on everything you do or just, like things that seem particularly of interest oh man i just had a lot of time when i was <laughs> COVID, so I, I died a died a bit um i did get really drunk one night and i wrote a whole ass essay on the work of uh demna valencia who is probably today's like most like critically successful fashion designer um and that dude is, <laughs> yeah, I, I published it online somewhere and I forgot about it. And then <laughs> somebody like shared the article and I was, I remember I was reading it. I was like, wow, these opinions seem like something I would write. Like this is some very specific like things this guy has to say. And I checked the name, like what the fuck? Like, I mean, I <laughs> when did this happen? Yeah, I must have just been like a drunk as shit, like Hayes wrote this, like submitted it, like someone must have edited it and then posted it online and like kept my name on it or something like that. But yeah. At least you recognize them as opinions that you would have. You're not like, this guy's an idiot. Who, who, what, what if he wrote all this? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to stop the name. I was like, oh shit, it was me. Good to see, good to see drunk you is at least consistent uh, in opinions with uh, sober you. Yeah, but any chance you're familiar with them? Uh, not at all. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's, it'll be very difficult for me to voice like my opinions and arts and fashion and like contemporary, um, just because like it's so abstracted and like so inaccessible. Like most people probably won't know who Demna is, but he is. Yeah, he's today is like most successful living uh, fashion designer. So he is the head of Balenciaga. You've definitely like seen his stuff for sure but he yeah he's Balenciaga's head designer and then he is the head designer for it's his own income I mean his own um in-house brand it originally started as an art collective uh Vetmon is his original house so you've definitely seen Balenciaga's stuff because the paradigm that Demna introduces into fashion is definitely like like fashion as memes <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's like the it's not an elegant way of saying it but it is that, that is what it is like he is a, a really strong marketer so his like most famous work like that, that definitely got him on the radar was like he made a <laughs> leather ikea bag <laughs> um 
he made high fashion Crocs. <laughs> like sold them for like insane amounts of money. But where he got his start, like he was a guy who worked for all the the big like large name brands like uh, Dior and Chanel, like who worked for all the huge Paris fashion houses. Mm-hmm. And him and his colleagues really disappointed working for them because they were all like tragically, like extremely underpaid, but also the quality of the stuff they were making was just garbage. Like they called it high-end fast fashion mm-hmm. as a way to make fun of what the, the, the terrible quality of what these brands were creating. Just the McDonald's of high fashion. Yeah, basically like all these like, you would think if you're paying a thousand dollars plus for a garment, you'd be getting something good out of it. But in reality, mm-hmm. you're not even close to getting the value of of what you're paying for. So, him and his fellow um, like designers, and sewers, they created Betmom. Originally, it was a, an anonymous project where they created this like absolutely garbage fast fashion mean clothing like they took dhl shirts and just resold them for more money like the company right yeah sorry a bit of a extremely successful like people bought this shit <laughs> what's up yeah sorry my uh my zoom was having an issue um uh, you're good though i i got the gist of what you were saying dhl shipping company reselling for more money because that's, yeah, that's just branding that's just branding at work yeah and it was really clear that they were not expecting the level of success they were gonna hit because they were just so unprepared for it like Demna had to bring in like his family who had um who were had business skills to, to come in and really help them like oh shit like we actually have like cash flow here because people are buying or fucking like five dollars shirts or like hundreds of dollars i think they originally like uh sold the the, the dhl shirts for like 200 300 bucks or something insane like that and, and then they went on to create uh, they originally so uh, like within balancega and vetmont they had the sock runner so they were like these dirt extremely cheaply made like knit shoes like they, they literally you can't make a cheaper shoe than, than the sock runner um, but that wasn't theirs like they they took that from another designer but it was like weirdly enough, the the designer they took the knit runner from, like he made like a high end like it was like luxury leather like runner shoe. And then Demma's like, yeah, we're making this as cheap as possible. We're pressing some fucking plastic together, gluing it onto a knit body, and that's it. Like we're good to go. And it's crazy to see it and like like I'm watching a music video and I'm seeing these people wear Balenciaga. I'm like, do you guys not get like this stuff is supposed to be garbage. Like, mm-hmm. but <laughs> that, that's all it really takes. If you can crack the, uh, uh, building a phenomena is more important than like making anything like of any real quality. And then caring, which is the massive, like multi-billion dollar clothing company. They had a brand called Balenciaga, which originally developed like extremely high end, like leather purses and that company was like it, it went to become like their their like third like bench warming brand like it wasn't really making them any kind of money the brand wasn't successful so they took them and put them at the seat of balenciaga they just let him do whatever he wanted he's just like listen like just work your magic and he did and he made these like extremely cringy like just awful lines of clothing like they look bad because they're meant to be 
And people bought it up. Like, uh, Balenciaga now is a huge brand. Like, you see, like, celebrities wearing it and athletes. And it's weird to, like, see them talk about it. Like, oh, I love Balenciaga. It's so comfortable. I'm like, yeah, it's because it's literally a shirt. Like, it's just <laughs> the cheapest shit you could get. Just the logo printed on. You're good to go. Like, and it, it was really bizarre for a bit. Like, I think when Balenciaga really started to gain popularity, um, I had already graduated. Like, I was, like, way out of, way out of undergrad. But... The few times I had to go by campus, I'd be watching like the wealthier students like wear this shit. I'm like, this is not, it's not good. <laughs> but I, I like what he did because <laughs> Demna has ultimately achieved a form of cultural accelerationism that I don't think I've ever seen before. And that's why I think he's significant. Like people who go to a fashion school in a, in a decade are probably going to be reading about him in textbooks being like, like, this guy saw the direction, like, this horrible segment of the fashion world was going into and decided to just, like, he saw where the train was going and it was going towards a wall. So he really just, like, <laughs> cranked the speed on that motherfucker, like, as fast as it could go. He's like, let's just crash this bitch. Like, let's just <laughs> see what the end game looks like <laughs> when we take the worst of what we have. Oh, my God. So, so high art, uh, or not high art, uh, high fashion, uh, was that something that you had always kept like in your peripheral or was that something that developed as you got into like university and like did your fine arts work? Oh no, that it only came on my radar when I, when I started studying art. And then when I, when I finished school, I started sewing, um, not something I really ever bothered advertising, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do make my own stuff. Uh, my more my more recent projects. Um, I'm trying I'm trying to be more critical on the way I approach fashion. I had a a show. I had a runaway show. I think I think it was it's been two years now since I had, but I hated everything I I made. So I didn't really advertise that I had a show. <laughs> that that that, uh, that the, the the hating of everything that uh, one makes is uh, something I relate to very heavily. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I, I leaned more heavily on creating commercial work, guys. I was making stuff, which which went okay, but ultimately became something I didn't really want to do. I was kind of recognizing myself as like, uh, I kind of see where this is going. I'm just gonna become a part of what I see as the problem. <laughs> These like extremely wasteful, degenerate consumer products. So. Um, try to try to take more of an anti-fashion stance, and yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure where I'll be going in the future. But now that I'm out of quarantine, I have a lot of time to really <laughs> think about it. So as I'm powering through some stuff in my studio now, I guess we'll see. I'll keep you updated. I'll make sure you're uh, appreciated. <laughs> um, so a lot of the appreciation that you find from high art is just like the sort of, uh, I guess, commentary and critiquing. Um, why oh, so much fun? trash <laughs> high culture <laughs> um it's part of part of the, the most enjoyment honestly you gotcha. can get and i think most people get from contemporary art is is gonna be hating on it like <laughs> that's, where, that's where my like real really my heart swells is when i see something i truly despise and i get to rip it apart <laughs> so in the sort of fashion world where someone might make one of these sort of statement pieces of just like here's your aggressive uh, minimal effort product that will be marked up for resale. Um, like, why manufacture multiple pieces 
of that sort of piece of art as opposed to just letting one item stand alone. Right. There is, you can definitely get one-offs. Like I think I own a couple, like I have a couple designer pieces. Um, like the stuff you see on the runway is never really what's sold in store. And usually mm. like designers never pay their damn off. <laughs> usually they just like, here, just take what you're wearing. Like the, often they get paid in clothes or something else. Um, and a lot, oftentimes these models will have these like really interesting like high-end runway pieces they can't wear and they need to pay the bills. So they'll sell that shit online. I, I think I accidentally grabbed a couple of people, <laughs> but um, there was this really interesting brand. I think they were they were really popular. I think when I was still in undergrad in undergrad, I think they were called Anti-Social Social Club. Or something yes. Like that. And they made these just absolutely shitty hoodies or something. Anyway, it's like a big, big block of text too. on the chest. It's like, yeah, it's branding. Yeah, Just so I'm pretty sure like it was more marketing than it was. Like they had no production capacity, so they had demand for their product and they just couldn't ever make enough. They just didn't have like the resources available to keep up mm-hmm. with. So it became and it was so simple to make that you could buy like wholesale bootleg versions of this uh, hoodie. So I bought one as a gift. Um, I think it was for like a girlfriend I had at the time. Uh, she wanted one, so I bought it for her, the bootleg version, and it was literally like ten bucks or something. Yeah. And um, she didn't like it, and I took it back, and I just resold it online. Like I made it obvious. I was like, "This is not real. This is a knockoff." Yeah, this is a knockoff, and people were bidding on it. Like I think I <laughs> sold it for like six times more than like what I bought it for. People knew they just really wanted it. Like they wanted it right now. They, they didn't care. It was, yeah, just, it, it was just about the appearance. It's not about the authenticity. Yeah. And I thought for a while, like, how quickly it sold. I was like, I should just get a Sharpie in, like, a really crap, <laughs> like, dollar store shirt and just Sharpie in the fucking logo just to see if, like, somebody will ironically love it or something. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing I noticed, like, in art and fashion, <laughs> really the phenomenon behind the work is way, way more important than, than really the work itself. Like, it's a bit of hype, a bit of clout, but ultimately you just need that uh, critical mass following of people. Like, if you can get enough people to like something, it doesn't matter how bad it is, it will become uh, a critical success if you can get the volume behind it, mm-hmm. which is actually a great way to introduce um, what I want to talk about next. Because I think when I we originally talked about setting up this talk, it was about conspiracy theories. Yes, that, that was the one topic that you you wanted to make sure that we got to. All right, so you, that that's you, you had mentioned that's one about, so far. Uh, critical phenomenon and how it applies to human culture is a great way of leaning into like how conspiracy theories work, our birth and grow. And yeah. right now we are in the golden age, the golden month. Dude. This entire process is just like got people thinking about like what's happening in the world. This ter- this certainly can't be what they're telling me on the yeah, news or yeah. from the government. Uh, There's a lot of people okay. bored at home trying to connect the dots, and for some reason, the the dumbest conspiracy theory ever is the fucking like the five G towers are spreading COVID. Like that's uh, like <laughs> what people thought of for some yeah, reason. That- Oh my god i hate it so i i hate a lot of things that i've read that try to invalidate uh this 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 flu at all as being like yeah. a, a just a natural thing that happened 
I've definitely had like awkward conversations where like I had someone like when I was sick with COVID, I think I was trying to do some gaming. I couldn't really, mm-hmm. I was just too fucked up. But one of the people I was playing with was like, yeah, I think this COVID thing is all just a bunch. <laughs> I'm like, dude, and I just cough, have, like, you just cough sucks. aggressively into the microphone. Like currently you have a teammate that has <laughs> it and he can't play the fucking game. I'm like, it's real. Like it's terrible. Yeah. He's going to tank your rating just to, just to make a point of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then sadly, yeah, the 5G thing was just so bad. Like I was, I remember seeing like communities. Okay. So like 5G really got its, its kickstart. Um, it was like some celebrity tweeted about it. Like just like someone sitting at home who just had an audience that was really famous was like, yeah, it might be, it might be these 5G like fuck no man like it's just it's so bad like it was really disappointing because i was really hoping something spicy (laughs) (laughs) so i do have to give a little bit of a background uh of myself and conspiracy theories but when i i am a bosnian serb okay Mm -hmm. so growing up i was surrounded by a lot of other serbs I was kind of surrounded by a lot of like, conspiracy theory talk. Never took it too seriously. I always just kind of thought it was a product of, like, yeah, I'm in a very small population. Um, like, maybe just by chance, I'm surrounded by people who, who talk about this kind of stuff. And then I moved out quite, quite far. <laughs> um, and I had a Serbian roommate in another city. And he also, like, when we would hang out with, like, our friends and we would, like, go out with, like, our neighbors... They would talk about things that he would consider problematic, and then he would talk to me in Serbian about it. But he's like, "Oh, we know, right? Like, we know, like the real, like, <laughs> truth behind this." Just like bumping all those. Who, like, five hundred kilometers away, we're still talking about this. So I went to my um, I had a, a Slavic friend, brilliant woman, the most intelligent person I know. She is a science professor at Waterloo University. So I call her up. I'm like, "Hey." This keeps happening. All these <laughs> men in my life keep talking about this kind of stuff. And she just laughs. And she's like, that is literally every, every Slavic guy I've ever dated is like this. So as it turns out, yeah, it is. It's a demographic thing. It's a ethnic <laughs> thing. So uh, any Serb you know is probably hiding some secrets. Yeah, ask them. They may, I, I live they with two of them. I'm scared now. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Can you laugh? Ask them about the moon landing. See what they say. I've kind of like overexposed. I think um, the thing about the moon landing is that, like, even if there were the faintest hint of it being false, like during the Cold War, Russia would have jumped all over that, but they didn't. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I, what I love to say about the moon landing is like the moon's right there. You can see it in the <laughs> daytime. <laughs> it's, it's like it's nah, man. It's you're just getting you're just getting Truman showed. Yeah, basically, like it's so close. Uh, <laughs> conspiracy theories. I I did go through a phase where I was like looking for hidden knowledge in the world. Like uh, I was really, uh, I I straight up like I wasn't just reading about like a different human culture. I joined them. Like I went oh, dear. Like, membership to like uh, these groups that would advertise as having secret knowledge. So I, I even went so far as like joining like flat Earth clubs like it was just, just um, see what kind of discussions were happening in there see, just because pe- those fear, people fear are nonsense. yeah those people are like legitimately into their belief which is like as an outsider is an in insane some cases, thing in some cases, 
they are legitimate. <laughs> That's kind of what I learned. There, there was there was this interesting moment where I joined like the most like esoteric cult I could find, only mm-hmm. to get there and be like, "Wait, you're all atheists! Like, what the fuck?" And I would, <laughs> Everybody's I would in this group, ironically. <laughs> no, no, no. That's the here's the thing is like. I, yeah, I'd be like, this is a demonic cult. Like, why are 90% of you atheists? And they're like, well, you see, and these would be like an older crowd too, like Gen X and above that'd be like, yeah, like I've been atheist my whole life, but there just isn't really any atheist. Uh, also, Zoom's having like an absolute panic attack right now. Milan, are you on the line still? Yeah. Okay. Every, everything's gone back to normal. Uh, there was a, like the last minute or so was just like completely dead silent on my end, which is terrible. Uh, what was the last thing you remember? Where was I? Where was I? Uh, uh, the the demonic cult of atheists. Um, right. You're, uh, they were going to hit you with a classic um, actually. Yeah, yeah. So overwhelmingly the population of this of not not just this one but several of these groups was uh they were atheist communities not not by any design of the founder so as i talked to these like yeah they were an older crowd mm-hmm. of like <laughs> gen x and above but what they told me was and kind of like the overwhelming opinion that they all had was there's no such thing as an atheist community. So these people are all hitting like their 30s and above, kind of realizing they didn't have anyone. Like they didn't have like a religious group, like anywhere they can go to create these like actual human bonds. <laughs> so they joined the cult for no reason other than just oh, to like be chill. And it's great. Like they, they didn't really like do much. And there was members that took it very seriously. And those guys were kind of mad. So you had these like two groups essentially in these cults. One that was just like these chill adults just wanted somewhere to hang. And then a group of people actually like took it seriously and wanted to engage in like the rituals and practice of like their, uh, their, of their own devising. An opportunity because nobody else wanted to join. <laughs> so it would just be like three dudes and like the founders screwing around, taking it seriously. And then like 10 or 20 people just who just want to be there, like, dress in sick outfits and hang out <laughs> that was kind of a fun reality so when it in the world of conspiracy theories they really fall on like this diametric pole of complete nonsense to like extremely dangerous so on the on the really dangerous end is where you get your like ethnic nationalist conspiracy theories which are like overwhelmingly anti-semitic yeah so those hate groups are like by far the most dangerous then you have like the the less dangerous population, which is your pseudoscientific conspiracy theories, and those are your uh, anti-vaxxers and climate change denial. Mm-hmm. What makes them like particularly like I put them on the uh, more on the dangerous end? Yeah, because they ha- like like their actions have an impact as opposed to just like a completely sort of innocuous group, where it's just like the, the their opinions are crazy, but they don't have a uh, uh, manifestation in the world. Right. Especially when you compare them to the nonsense, like climate denying groups, <laughs> yeah. like uh, Christian creationists, like the ones who <laughs> deny dinosaurs existing mm-hmm. and flat earth. Like they, they don't, 
like the pseudoscientific ones, they invent their own scientific body. They're like, like they have their own scientists. They have their own um, like works that they publish that are total crap, but your lay person won't know that. Like unless you're trained in that kind of literature, mm-hmm. your average moron is, is going to be yeah, able to yeah, tell. Like, like they're just going to believe what they were told by someone who speaks with an authoritative tone. Yeah, and anti-vax is tragic because it it's it had these horrible origins where like this lawyer was hired by a company to discredit it because they were trying to make money. Like they were trying to yeah. sue like someone. Um and it wasn't successful. And for a couple of years that went nowhere until it, well, who was it? like Gwyneth Paltrow? It was some actress, like some celebrity picked up on it, started to parrot like that message and then then it became a conspiracy. Then it became like this social phenomenon of people believing it. It was total crap. I do have like out of curiosity, they're they're pretty sad. But the, but the group I spent the most time with, out of like pure ironic fascination, was uh, Flat Earth. That that is a fun one. That <laughs> I had a great time. I did have to leave. <laughs> recently because I started to get a little too much hate um oh dear and and uh, admins were pissing me off because so I, I joined a lot of these uh they're primarily like their online groups um <laughs> but I joined this flat earth group ironically I, I mostly just spent my time cracking jokes <laughs> and um I kind of started to wake up a couple of the globies that most of these groups were just like troll pages um and they started to silence my best jokes I was really <laughs> So anyway, when it comes to flat earth, there's two camps. There's the really small camp of like people who genuinely believe in this crap. And these are your like Christian science groups. They're pretty hard to like um join. Like they're they're genuine. So they yeah. don't just like anyone into their circle. So I did make an attempt and I was successful in like I can't say infiltrated them. Like I had like I didn't want to make fun of these people. I wasn't there to argue. I just really just wanted to meet one and see what they were <laughs> like. So you 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 were gonna like challenge them on their beliefs. You just you just want to like, hear what they had to say. I wanted to know their history and like where this came from. So a lot of these like the legitimate flat Earth groups, they are they're Christian. Like they they are yeah. very hard. Like they deeply believe in their religion. And what a lot of them are is that they're homeschool. They come from like these frontier Christian towns that have kind of been lost to time. And just one day had the internet show up at their doorstep and then they went online and, <laughs> you know, saw the world had moved on. But yeah, a lot of these, they, they are like very close Christian social groups and communities that, yeah, like their homeschool, like society that has yeah, a bit of abstracted from what we have so they don't have like any kind of like scientific literature like that's why they're they so they just go out right like yeah like dinosaurs don't exist like they don't know they, they didn't go to school they didn't go to museums they, they weren't really like exposed i i um, think there's like a there's like a christian science bookstore somewhere near like downtown kitchener oh yeah <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if you've ever heard of it but i, I think it might still be there Okay, okay. Just just if you want some more literature to, to revisit this uh, whole conspiracy on your own. I befriended one who was like one of these um she was in a really nice gal. She was yeah, just like a oh, church yeah. like a homeschooled Christian, like really strong churchgoer. 
and like her whole community was based around the church. So it was kind of an interesting, like, oh, it was so innocent. <laughs> like, like, like the panda of intellectual, like the panda <laughs> of thought. Like they should not be re-educated. Like they, they should be conserved and protected. <laughs> what they've accomplished is so rare. It's like, you know, humanity, like when we developed agriculture, that's the point where we really took ourselves out of um, like the survival of the fittest. Like, that's, <laughs> like human evolution kind of like stopped at that point and we became, um, we just started directed ourselves. So the fact that like you have these Christian science communities that kind of just like built their own <laughs> built their own realm. That needs to be protected. <laughs> don't make fun of those people. <laughs> don't don't argue with them. Like, just leave them be. Yeah, let them be. Like it's fascinating. <laughs> so aside aside from them, a bulk of the flat Earth community is is mostly just like people who are ironically just trying to enjoy these communities. Like the biggest groups, the ones that are the easiest to join, a lot of them are just open. Like you can just you can just like ask, yeah, the and then they'll let you in. Be involved in your Christian, I mean not Christian, um, your flat Yeah, sure, like welcome. And <laughs> it is like maybe one or two of them are like genuine believers, but under the layers of satire, you will <laughs> never. They're hard to find. Like you can't yeah. tell. So when I joined, like I mean, it was pretty obvious. Like ninety percent of these people are trolls. So uh, within like the genuine belief group, now the, the actual like population of a lot of these groups is overwhelmingly like stay at homers, um, like unemployed boomers, like yeah. people have nothing to do and they probably feel small. So they need to go and join these groups and they need to make fun of somebody. They need to name call just to feel better about themselves. That's, that's what I'm imagining. Many <laughs> percent of them, they just want to argue like, and like make fun. And every now and then, you get someone who has intelligence. Like, they might be naive, but they're, like, versed enough in scientific literature that they will make these, like, huge effort posts. Like, they're there to genuinely educate people who believe the Earth is flat. <laughs> and they, I feel bad for them because but not really. Like, they, they put in so much effort in making, like, these videos and this content that's, like, yeah, like, explaining the science of why the Earth is round. <laughs> it's like they naively thought, like, they were the first to do that, only to be met with responses that are just memes. <laughs> and, like, that's it. Like, you spent, like, a day, like, maybe a couple days of your life making these, like, content videos. It's, it's classic like, like, don't feed the trolls type of scenario, except it's hard to tell like where in the the ironic enjoyment of um, the 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 ident- the troll identity got lost. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's interesting because a lot of the people who come to argue, they're they skew older. They skew mm-hmm. much older. So the word trolls isn't in their vocabulary. They don't yeah. know that word exists. A lot of them will say things like, oh, there's a lot of people here that seem to just be doing it for the attention <laughs> and it's beautiful so, like there's these moments where you can see a couple of them like slowly becoming self-aware that like this flat earth group is not like there are there aren't really any genuine flat earthers like mm-hmm. it's it's just an elaborate honeypot 
<laughs> but it's like they're, they're kind of slowly waking up to the fact that like they're the morons that are like spending oh, all this time yeah. like to argue on the internet meanwhile there's just a bunch of bored millennials on the other side just like laughing to themselves being like oh my god <laughs> we got another one guys I, like base, but it's, it's there's so many of these people <laughs> argue it's crazy like i think for every one like ironic shit poster there's got to be like 10 like stay-at-home boomer moms or something like that they're that are just there to like you know like talk shit and try to feel superior <laughs> and i'm getting kind of mad because my comedy is is really developed like through these groups like my favorite joke that I wrote was um, the only evidence I need is that while a, a map of the earth is $5, a globe is $29.99. <laughs> I am being whooshed right now. No, you know, like, okay, so a, a lot of what they, um, a flat earthers, they're, it's, it's like a financial conspiracy. So they're like, oh, like, where, where's the money? And like, oh, I see. Or something like gotcha. that. A lot of people are like, oh, your conspiracy theory is dumb. I'm like, well, no, no, no. You see, you just follow the money, right? Like a flat. Yeah. You know, I can't even have to explain the joke. I guess. No, I, no, I, no. I no. You, 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 you nailed the explanation. I am now enlightened and enjoy the joke. Oh, God. I'm, I'm terrible at jokes. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it is fundamentally a good joke. Now that, <laughs> now that I understand, and frankly, <laughs> I probably should have gotten it earlier. Okay, never do stand-up is what I learned. <laughs> that, that I should not. No, no, not I, I'm being very sincere. It was good. <laughs> anyway, I was mad because the admins actually deleted that comment. Uh, I think it was waking up too many globies <laughs> just like having a laugh at their expense mm. uh, rather than be any kind of genuine flat earther. <laughs> so yeah, sadly... I, yeah, I got pretty mad when the admin started deleting some of my <laughs> best content. Like, you bastards, how could you? But it was. It was waking up the Globies. They, they started figuring out that this, this society really just existed for, for attention more than <laughs> a genuine legitimacy. There's also an interesting uh, subgroup that is there for the merchandising, the opportunists that make, like, uh, if you were to try to dive into a flat earth, you'll find some pretty popular blogs and YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they're pretty disingenuous. Like they they try, they really try, but a lot of them are just like really good at merchandising. So there's this woman, I think her name's Pat, like Petrisha or something like that, who runs a really popular like blog and YouTube channel based on flat earth. But she has clearly made like a ridiculous amount of money doing this. Like there's this um posts she made where she's like stuck in traffic uh in her like ridiculously luxurious mercedes or she's just like talking nonsense about flat earth or something like that and you just can't help but like look at her and like see her all blinged out and be like god damn it lady like, <laughs> how much how many like how many weird fools did you, did you lure into this trap yeah i'm imagining that like a bulk of her audience is just people who like want to hate on flat earth and like see it as a intellectual abomination probably where she's getting ad views from. <laughs> and there's some others who are just like, oh, they're just so terribly disingenuous. Like, it's hard to take them seriously when they, they don't even put that much effort into the content and they're just like trying to sell shirts the whole time. But this is a great episode. I, th- I think it's a, it's like this older man who was, he was really good on the merchandising front. Like he really made some bomb ass shirts. But he goes to like a NASA museum or something like that. It might have been NASA itself. He literally just drives up to the door 
and like security won't let him in and he just like walks away he's like yeah i told you <laughs> like, won't let me in and see they won't me. answer my questions yeah they won't let me look at the <laughs> all right then keep your secrets yeah the set the movie set or some bullshit like that and I think he didn't even ask. Like, I think he just walked up to the front door. He's like, hey, can I come in? And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Gave up right away. Like, and then he, like, walks around the building, like, finds, like, a random door. And it's obviously locked. So he tries to get in. He's like, I knew it. This is probably got the, the moon landing set. Right <laughs> Something like that. People uh, are crazy, dude. And it's fun. It's so much fun because the people who kind of try – um, even the shit posters, like everyone's got a different narrative. Like there's people are like, oh, we obviously live under a dome, and then there's ones that are like, no, 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 it's the ice wall, and like they'll argue. <laughs> about it. It's just so funny of these people, like, um, like they, like they just, it's really such low effort sometimes. Like, they, like they don't, they don't present evidence. Like they don't even make it up. They're just like, no, no, no it's a dome. No, 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 it's it's an ice wall. Come on, come on, man. It's an ice wall. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously Photoshop. Oh man, it's, just, it's a laugh. It's a really good time. Highly recommend. I mean, it. yeah, you, like like you get away with just making the, the the statement and with no elaborate or elaboration because like any amount of reason just kind of tears the whole thing down. So it's just like, all right, yeah, yeah they don't even try. Like, there's a couple <laughs> of these who come in, like explain seasons to us, and they get like ten different answers, and like half of them are just memes. It's so funny. Like, I, I like that. <laughs> hilarious and then there's like the flat earth cons i've never gone to one but i have like watched some live streams out of pure curiosity weirdly enough there was like this super famous youtuber that showed up to one he made like like he was clearly trying to merchandise i think he like wrote songs or something he was trying to sell cds like no one cared or bought um but yeah i think it might have been like one of the logans or something like that i don't know enough about youtube YouTubers to like recognize yeah. him it was a trip like to, to see him there being like hey isn't that guy like got famous. like famous followers or something He's here trying to like disingenuously merchandise like flat earth or crap. And, mm -hmm. and it was beautiful because nobody cared who he was or that he was there. And outside of this live stream, I don't think I ever saw any content of him in this con. Like I don't think he, like he clearly, he was like unsuccessful enough trying to do this. Uh, he never uploaded it to like his own channel. It just no, never became a thing. But he gave, it, he gave it a disingenuous shot like the rest of the <laughs> I was thinking about it. I was like, should I make like flat earth society shirts like just just for laughs? Like, like that be hilarious when people like ironically start buying them. Good fucking joke. Like, it's a it's a dangerous game to play. Yeah, I can't I can't even say like like a lot of the criticisms that flat earth is like profoundly like anti intellectual, but it's not because nobody <laughs> actually believes like, they don't care. Like, <laughs> It's a bunch of bored, like young folks, like talking shit. <laughs> oh, man. any other conspiracy theories you wanna you wanna address at this time? Do you have any yourself that you're like particular? I can't say I specialize in any other. <laughs> gotcha. Like, flat Earth's my go-to. Uh, I, I like. Go ahead. I'm of the opinion that Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. That's about that's about the only conspiracy theory I ascribe myself to. It's hard. Yeah, that's a great one because it's really not like he. Like, I don't think he killed us. Like, there's some. You know, there's a lot of legitimacy to that. When I, I remember seeing this video, I think it was like a kid. It was at a like some kind of sporting event. 
And when the camera pans to his uh, sign, he quickly turned it over to say, like, Epstein didn't kill himself. And the camera like, immediately, like, fucks off. <laughs> so I think, like, when the media is trying to avoid it, and yes, like, American media is very blatantly, like, extremely <laughs> homogenous. Like, when they're dodging the questions, there's probably, there's definitely some truth to it. Um, there was some great Epstein conspiracy theories. I didn't do, like, any kind of real detail on it. I just kind of, I, w- I went on the surface level. Mm-hmm. But the guy was a billionaire. But it seems that a lot of people don't really know where he got his money from. He did have enough relationships that were public. Like, I mean, yeah, the dude partied with presidents. Like, he was probably an intelligent Presidents, guy. entrepreneurs, just, like, all sorts of royalty, even. Yeah, like, he clearly <laughs> had some kind of government involvement. Like, how else do you have that kind of access to, like, leader of the wealthiest country in the world? Yeah, Um, yeah, the guy was probably an intelligence asset. Like, a lot of money was being moved in the 80s, um, like, from the, like, acronym, like, military groups. He was, was, that was probably his job. Like, he he probably sat there and just helped them, like, uh, conceal and move money so people, like, didn't know what they were spending it on. Um, so he probably had some kind of military involvement. And then the follow-up theory uh, from that was that he his organization was probably used as a honeypot. Um, like, people imagined that. He was probably, like, the CIA itself, like, publicly states, they're like, oh, we never use honeypots. That's mm-hmm. horrible. Like, you know. Um, of course they fucking do. Why would it be? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, an effective, it's an effective tool. Yeah, enough, enough state agents have written books that say, yeah, we don't use honeypots, but other governments have used them to, like, <laughs> tremendous success. Like, it's a great, great method of spying that we don't use. So it's, it's probably very likely that Epstein himself, um, like, his Lolita Island was probably used to bait people <laughs> True. To, to have leverage over them, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I imagine anyway. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And then, <laughs> yeah, they probably killed him because uh, there was enough powerful people that didn't want it being outed. Like, could you imagine <laughs> if he like actually spilled? Like, he survived <laughs> long enough. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, I was just following orders. And I, I, I think I, even I, on a, on a fundamental level, with that amount of like government involvement. Um, like he has, there's no motivation for him to not lie if pressed for answers. Yeah, and can you imagine? So weird, like how the James Bond franchise would have changed <laughs> about with that. Like, can you imagine like James Bond in the next movie, like showing up to the villain's island, and the villain's just like sitting on a floaty chair in the middle of his massive pool. And it's, instead of sharks, it's just underage girls. Oh, swimming God. <laughs> He's like, not, cross. That is not a good the visual. The meat will eat you alive. <laughs> just be ridiculous. Like, our, our villains in reality are way more interesting and terrifying than anything media has really ever made. <laughs> So I did have a sad dive into the climate change denying. So I do a lot of political activism and I do a lot of environmental activism. Mm -hmm. So there was a moment where I did have to like 
experience the the climate change denial side, the environmental movement, and it was it was awful. <laughs> like, I, I really had a critical like I had to know what I was talking about to be able to argue with them. And then I really mm-hmm. needed to, like you can't just name call these people like that's like antagonizing them just justifies their movement. Yeah, so and I, I to, to where their opinions, where their science was coming from, in order to be able to like or my own intelligent opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of climate change denial in Canada, it has two sides to it. One is, they get a lot of these like fake, like scientific inquiry that's, it's all, it's like oil funded. It's like primarily, um, like the US has a, an, an oil lobby educational group that's literally called that. <laughs> it's called like the, the oil education group or something like that. And they're brilliantly sinister in how they approach it. Like they don't promote like climate change denial studies. What they do is they go to schools and they try to be intelligent about it. Like, listen, like if you're going to promote this type of science, you also like have to be fair and you have to look at the opposite side, you know, for fairness. (laughs) Yeah. Like sadly, like these, and that narrative works because when climate change is being talked about in American media, the, the media will be like, okay, it's great. We've heard about the, the climate change pro side of it. Now we have to look yeah. at the, at that. With like equal, an equal amount of screen time, regardless of like, yeah, what, because what percentage of the population narrative. is for each of these sides. Right. So you present them as like equal uh, of equal merit. Yeah. And I am close. That, um, they also just love giving the climate change deniers airtime because they're just hilarious. Like they're, they're really crazy and they're really like fired up and they say ludicrous shit. So why not? Like it's, it's good. It's good entertainment. Right. And then the other side of climate change uh, deniers are people who they're, they're really aggressive against taxes and <laughs> they just have a very profound misunderstanding of how taxes work. They just don't, <laughs> they don't get it at all. Like they have no idea, especially within Canada. Taxation is no- theft Milan, don't you get it? It's just <laughs> yeah. that. And that that's about as sophisticated as that argument goes. Like they they don't do any kind of analysis. Like they don't they don't bother really figuring out where our taxes actually go. And they just assume if the government's taking it away, it's that that's it. Like that's all they know. Like there is a tax, a climate tax in Canada, mm-hmm. but we don't pay it. We actually we receive it. Like it's a credit we get to be able to like consume goods that, are, that have less impact on the environment. It's a, it's a credit for us, yeah. like, not 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 one we pay into. <laughs> <laughs> and it just kills me um especially in the states like people just don't get like 20 years ago the u.s and maybe canada i don't know when canada adopted this but we transitioned into this uh tax strategy called modern monetary theory so it's very recent so i, I kind of forgive a couple of the older crowd because they're used to the old system of taxation where the government takes your money and that is their treasury. That's what they draw from to offer mm-hmm. uh, services. But that, that 
that's not how it works anymore. Like Canada got into trouble in the nineties because um, so many provinces were really just, they weren't able to become like revenue positive and Canada for a long time been doing something known as equalization payments where they were taking the revenues from one province and moving it to another that was really just struggling. Mm-hmm. And a couple of countries took, like they had to adopt for a brief period of time uh, this strategy of equalization payments. So Yugoslavia, where I'm born, it was uh, sadly, that's where that didn't work. So they, they did like a, a decade and a half of equalization payments that, that led to the collapse of... Uh, of Yugoslavia. Now, Canada was in a similar, really bad situation. Like, holy shit, we have a lot of debt. And then they, they watched this collapse happen in, a, in another contemporary uh, modern nation that they couldn't figure it out. So, so they switched over to modern monetary theory. Uh, you familiar with it, with it by any chance? Uh, not particularly, or nothing's coming to mind. Uh, okay. In relation to Did the term, you ever take macroeconomics, like when you were yeah, at, yeah. Te- technically speaking, I have a, an economics degree, uh, but I haven't implemented it, so I don't remember a damn thing, and that is okay, how schooling yeah. works. Like I remember, like my exposure to modern monetary, like I I liked economics. I did take quite a few classes. Great, great course. I loved it. Um, yeah, that's that's where I learned about it. Modern monetary theory. So for for the viewers, the international crowd that might be watching this, um, like a handful of other countries, is used to create a demand for the currency. So when you pay your income tax, the government kind of just keeps it in like a very secure Excel file and then destroys it. Like they don't actually use our income tax for anything. Uh, the government just prints the money it needs um, for the services that it provides. And in the case of this, like you can print as much as it wants. Uh, and in the case of the states, literally trillions of dollars. So the U.S. sovereign debt is it's in the same position. Oh, it's, as, an, it's an absurd amount of money. Yeah, but it's not. But it doesn't like, exist. Yeah, like Canada and the yeah, exactly. Like it's debt. Like we, like Canada, the Canadian government is its own debtor. Like it, <laughs> it doesn't owe that money to anybody. It's the debt exclusively exists as treasury bonds, which is like garbage investment products morons like me own and after covid like tanked the market <laughs> at this point it's all i own <laughs> that's, right. that's all i got i mean at this point it's a wise investment like i have some rsps that are just like oh i just lost money for free that's cool yeah that sucks this treasury bonds, at least they're guaranteed. So no matter how bad it gets, yeah. you know, it's going to be there. So a lot of people don't understand. When you vote for a politician, you're not voting for a resource manager. You're voting for what you want your society to look like and what you're kind of trying to build towards. Because the states and Canada, they, we've entered into this beautiful uh, phase in history where we've entered a post-currency phase like we don't need gold <laughs> you know, it doesn't really serve outside of its like industrial function it's like we don't really need the currency our actual currency is our production it's um the government really just kind of follows uh, it sets goals like employment rates inflation and, and that's the line it follows and that kind of is what is, that's the economy is how they dictate Mm-hmm. Where their it, money is. It, it's how we get a comparative 
uh, sort of value, like evaluation of our currency in terms of like a, yeah. a, a real thing as opposed to just like, here's yeah, a number. Cell phone, yeah. Yeah. And Japan is, was really successful in it. I think MMT, when I looked at the history of it, the first adopter was Italy. Like Italy was hitting this, like they, they had like record amounts of debt. They were at, at a phase where it was pretty like, they were gonna collapse and they needed solutions right now. And then modern monetary theory was, it was it came from a group of American economists. I think it was the 90s is when they were really trying to get um, that method of economy going. Nobody wanted to take it on because they were like, oh shit, this sounds bad. Like we might have like hyperinflation. No, let's not do this. And then Italy did it. And there was a group, I think it was literally called, like you can look the story up, it was literally called like the Italian bet or something like that. But a group of bankers were all like, oh, for sure, it's going to crash. They're going to experience hyperinflation. All these people are fucked. And then the Italian, Italy's debt rose, but their economy did as well. Because yeah, it turns out spending on your economic infrastructure is really good. Uh, and then all these bankers got hosed. They lost a lot of money. And then other countries that were watching were like, holy shit, let's do this. And it, Japan became one of the most successful adopters, because I think based on like percentage of their economy, like they have the highest sovereign debt in the world. Like I think like by big numbers, it's the states, like by, by quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> but, but based like, on, like a relative, yeah. Yeah, is Japan, and they needed it because their their population is old as hell. Like, yeah, they desperately- They're not fucking over in Japan. Yeah. And it's great because um, in Canada, there's this narrative by the older crowd, they're really scared of their pensions and their old age security. Like, oh, we can't be like doing this climate change nonsense because I need the taxes to go towards like helping me survive. But what they don't understand is that that's guaranteed. Like their mm-hmm. pension is going to be guaranteed. Their old age security is all guaranteed. It's they like <laughs> the government will always have the money. So they they will vote against their interests just because they don't know. Um, and it's fascinating because there are like conservative politicians, like they clearly know how the economy works. They just build a narrative against that because it gets them votes. And Trump is a great example of this. And I, mm-hmm. I love this because he clearly had no idea how the U.S. economy worked until after elected. elected. And yeah. it was pretty obvious someone had to sit down and explain this to him. And there's this great radio interview where <laughs> Trump, he gets asked, by the interviewer like oh what are you gonna like so what actions are you taking against our national debt and trump he gets real fired up like he's excited he's like oh no that's the best part the u.s is its own debtor debitor we don't have to pay for anything (laughs) (laughs) just print that shit and like that's that's like the level of enthusiasm he brought and it was great because i watched this uh interview like one of the progenitors of modern monetary theory was giving a, a lecture in the States. And when she was being introduced, the speaker referenced that Trump interview. He's like, and here is the, uh, <laughs> like one of the founders of this theory, really spearheaded it, uh, of modern monetary theory, AKA, we just print that shit. And the woman gets on stage and she is so disappointed. <laughs> she, and the first thing she says is like, as soon as you said that, I just wanted to go home. <laughs> Like, oh, that's, that's a statement just leaving 
yeah, it's all these politicians talking about like <laughs> being financially responsible. That's a that's a bunch of bullshit, really. Like they're that's just part of their branding, you know. They're, they're trying to convince people, like, yes, vote for us if you feel like you're in a responsible mood. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what a world we live in. Yeah, modern monster theory is just fascinating. I had a moment um, when I was dying on COVID where <laughs> I was in a, a chat with a group and somebody brought that up. They're just like, oh, the liberal government of Canada is just so degenerate with like their dumb spending practices and how they're wasting everyone's taxes. And I really wanted to like, say something about it. I was just like, actually, I don't think that's, it works how you think it works. I just did not have the energy. I really wish I did. I really wanted to uh, rant about it, but I couldn't, I couldn't even get the strength to speak. <laughs> um, one quick question I wanted to ask back with, like much earlier. Uh, what was the first thing you did when you got out of your quarantine and you had the strength? Oh God, I went on a bike ride. Like all I wanted to do was go outside and just run. And I really couldn't do it. It was <laughs> um, yeah. I I my body gave up real quick, but you tried. Yeah. Okay. I, in reality, the first thing I did is I wanted to play basketball. So I took my ball out, went to the court and was immediately kicked out by the park attendant. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. That, they're, like, they're doing that. <laughs> Parks closed apparently. So yeah, that was the first thing I tried to do. I mean, be thankful that you didn't get like fined. Because yeah. there was a case of that like a couple weeks ago where it's just like read about a guy that. And sons. <laughs> so what that guy like the problem was that it was a group of people playing and they were asked to leave. And they weren't fined and they left. But one guy really wanted that to be his hill to die on that he can't <laughs> play basketball so he got in their face and just started arguing and fighting with um these like park attendants and yeah he ended up getting a fine but here's the thing like he took it like he wanted it yeah. you know that was his like battle that he picked like he, he like <laughs> the, the park attendants themselves were interviewed I'm pretty sure in that article, they were like, yeah, the dude just didn't leave. Like, he came back, <laughs> he was still there. Like, he just, he, he, like, he chose that as his battle. And yeah, he paid, like, a couple hundred bucks. What a fucking idiot. But, you know, if you have the money to burn, why not? Why yeah, not sure. make, a, make a stance? Like, yeah. Well, Milan, this has been an absolute treat. Uh, despite uh, Zoom crapping out at some points, uh, I've enjoyed this conversation. Um, at the end of each episode, I like to give my guest a, uh, a moment yeah, to plug anything. Great. The, the, this end bit is made so much oh, worse by like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. The, the, this end part is made so much worse by like Zoom just crapping the bed entirely right now. So it's yep. like, yep. yeah. Um, so uh, you you plugged your phone number at the start. It may have been botched by Zoom, but you know what? Uh, I'm just going to give you this this last little bit to to give out any messages you want to you want to say to anybody listening out there, and any uh, any any anything else that you would generally like to plug. So uh, take it away. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Chris. Uh, th thanks to the viewers for listening. This won't exist without you. Yeah, if you think I'm a cool guy, 
you want to be friends, um, add me on Instagram. It's Milan Lamy, L-M-I-L-A-N-L-A-M-Y. And uh, yeah, like keep keep the flat earth energy strong. Remember, it is flat. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all Excellent. I got. Uh, I'm going to take this, uh, my, my time to say, uh, the, these are solely the opinions of my guests. I just gave them platforms. <laughs> I just want to hear what he had to say. Uh, one thing that I hope that I, I get out of doing this podcast is that I learn to be more confrontational. <laughs> but also, uh, it was it was so it was so fun, so a treat. Yeah, I hope I hope I really delivered on the crazy. That was my goal. Yes, you like absolutely did. The uh, entertainment value. My my goal as a person is to be so deep into satire that I can dress as Hitler and people will just assume I'm joking like right away like oh there's Milan trying to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how genuine well I, I look forward to seeing the uh, the onion article <laughs> yeah yep there we go all right Milan thank you so much for coming on the show have yourself you, a uh, good one and I hope to hear from you soon yeah have a great weekend take care Thanks,